Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we we bear our souls to you. We bear our souls, Lord, that you might come and, and search us and find those areas that need to be changed. We come after what has been a long week. So many things going on. And we find a moment, Lord, to quiet our hearts. And so we seek you this morning that we would find these next moments of hearing your word, of singing your praise, of hearing you speak to us. That we would quiet our hearts in those moments, Lord, that we might hear your voice. Search us and know us, that we might know you better. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of Joshua chapter 6. A couple things I do want to let you know. This is the last week of Joshua. But I do want to let you know that in the back, for you those, for those who have enjoyed knowing what's coming next week, uh, in the back of your bulletin, uh, and we're going to try to keep, I'm going to try to keep up with this, it says next week's scriptures. Next week's scripture is on the back of there for those of you who like that. Uh, that's where we're headed, unless the spirit changes between now and next week. But the plan is to go there. So I want to let you know that this is the last week of uh, Joshua. Uh, we have been going through Joshua f- since actually the beginning of the year. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 15 and run to the end of uh, chapter 6. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded his army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. And must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone took charge straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all belonged to her. They brought out the entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron in the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she had hid the men 
Joshua had sent to, as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing. Lord, that takes us right back to the table. The table that reminds us of the sacrifice that was made for each of us. And Lord, we offer this moment, these moments of time where we'll hear your word and hear you speak. We offer those moments to you this morning. Challenge our hearts to be different because you are different and there is hope in a world that's otherwise hopeless. Open our hearts, Lord, that we would hear your word this morning, that we would hear your message for us. Remind us of the mercy that was offered and continues to be offered for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And if you're little, you can go. <laughs> I probably won't have to tell you twice. Bobby, did you go? So we've made the journey. You may remember that back in January, we started on the journey. We embarked on a journey in Joshua chapter 1 where we needed to prepare. Joshua told his people to prepare. Get ready, we're going to go. We've been wandering around this wilderness for 40 years. Now it's time to go. And you may remember that God's people were ready. On three days notice, they were getting ready. And then we walked into chapter 2 where we talked about Rahab and how unlikely that this woman would be a part of God's plan. That this prostitute had faith in her God. And she plays a part in today's passage. Actually, a very big part. And then in chapter 3, we crossed. We crossed that Jordan River. Remember that? Do you remember when the river got, we crossed the river on dry land? That was a pretty exciting moment. Don't forget that. You remember those pictures I showed you of the flooded Jordan? There was no way we were going to cross that, that river short of God's miraculous of stopping that water. And then in chapter 4, we talked about the stones that were pulled out of the center while the water was not there, while it was still dry. And the monument that was made to remind God's people. Do you remember the monument that, that, was, that was made for God's people? They put that monument so right there on the Jordan, not, so they would not forget what God had done. Because we're quick to forget, are we not? We're quick to forget where God has worked. And then last week, we started marching. You remember marching? We got across the... God says, all right, I want you to go up, march around the city, then go back to camp. March around the city, 
Go back to camp, right? We did that for six days. And we stopped. Like, we took this deep breath, right? Last week, we took this deep breath because we stopped at verse 15 when things are about to happen. And today, that's where we start this story. We have made it. All that's left is a shout of victory, right? The shout of victory. And the walls fall down. Think about that. One shout. They walked around seven times that day. And the walls fall down. Pretty exciting victory. You guys don't look that excited this morning. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. I, I thought about making you shout. I might have to do that. I, I probably should have did it when the little guys were here because they would have helped. They would have been better at that, right? Because not cool to shout in church, you know. <laughs> this is exciting. God has brought them a victory. They're finally there. Remember, they had been wandering for 40 years. 40 years they're wandering around in the wilderness. Not all that impressed with that plan, right? Guaranteed, someone were said, take me back to Egypt. At least I had a place uh, that I could have my head covered. I had a job. I didn't have to eat the stinking manna, right? They've made it to the promised land. And God is about to deliver the promised land to them. That should be exciting to you. You know, those moments of our, our own victory in our own life, just for a moment, think about those victory, uh, spots of victory in your own life. And how quickly, when we find victory in our own life, we attribute it to us. Right? When there's a failure in my life, it's definitely not me that's the problem. It's someone else that caused me to have that problem. But when there's a victory, when there's an A+, who got the A+, kids? Right? Where do we put that? We make fun of it, but we do the same thing as adults. Right? Look at me. I got an A+. I'm going to put that on my fridge. And I'm going to leave it there until I get the next A+. Do we not? Am I wrong? Maybe I, I must be the only one who puts my A-pluses on the fridge. No one else does it. Oh. You never had? <laughs> Unless you're Jeremy, who has never had an A-plus. I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's funny, though, how quickly we begin to attribute those victories in our life to us. And not God. Right? We do that. I do that. Look at me. I'm moving up the ladder. I did it when I was at the foundry. Look at me. I'm moving up the ladder. I can remember bargaining with God at one point. God, if you give me that next job, I will really, really follow you even harder than before. We attribute our checkbooks to the way we act and the way we do life. We attribute those cars that we wax and wash and keep clean and salt down. Salt down, yeah. <laughs> we attribute our ability to think and to react and to respond. Not to God, right? We might say that, but let's be honest. We, a, lot of, a lot of times we attribute it to me. 
right? We attribute it to our own abilities. And we quickly forget that God has given us those gifts. And that's exactly what happens in this passage today. It doesn't take more than two verses. Sound like humans, right? <laughs> Sounds like me, right? It doesn't take more than two verses for God's people to figure out, to, to just about forget who caused the walls to fall down. They're still walking in the walls, right? They're walking in the walls and what's God have to say? He doesn't say, yeah, victory. He says, no, I got a couple things I need to tell you. I got a couple things you need to think about, God's people. You need to think about these things as you're walking in to take over this city. He says in Joshua 6.17, this city and all that is here is to be devoted to the Lord. Devoted. That's, if you have a different version, if you're King James, it may say accursed. Uh, devoted is an interesting word. Devoted sounds like a good thing, right? And it is a good thing. Except devoted in this means destruction. What Joshua, what Joshua is saying to the people, listen, everything inside those walls are to be devoted to God. That means we're taking them out. <laughs> taking them out. Everything that's alive, we're going to take out. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? it feels kind of harsh. But he reminds God's because this is what happens. This is the reason I say we attribute it to ourselves. What happens is we give ten things to God, and then we're like, "Well, I can take one on the slide, right? I'll just if I give God a dollar, I'll give myself a dime and put it in my pocket because I gave most of it to God, and uh, I want to. I'm behind. I want to talk about uh, first fruits because that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about giving God what is His. And I don't know if you ever thought about the word first fruits. I'm talking about the first strawberries you pick off your plants of the year. You know the ones that are coveted? You're watching them every day. You lift the thing and you're like, oh, that one's got a little more pink on it. Oh, a couple more days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the first one, right? My dad, he planted uh, uh, red raspberries. And he's retired, so and he loves the... He, he loves to do those things. He's retired, so every day, like on Facebook, I would see an update of how the raspberries were looking. <laughs> and the raspberry would be a little more red, and it would be a little more red, and they're like the size of your thumb. And my dad, my dad, like, he does it. When he does raspberries, I'm telling you, these raspberries are huge. I go down, and he's like, would you like to? And, and this is what, he pulls, one out, pulls it out of the fridge, and he's like, would you like a raspberry? <laughs> and, and you know, it's the best raspberry of the bunch, Right? Or the first tomato of the season, right? Our first fruits, our best. I got to ask you this question. Are you giving God your best? See, the concept of giving all those things that are devoted to God means that we, we give all the spoils, the best, our first and best to God. And God said, don't get tangled up as you go through the city don't get tangled up trying to fill your pockets with things that you won't need anyway. And how often do we go through life thinking we can fill our pockets and make it better? We can fill our pockets and it's going to be okay. Okay. 
actually shows up pretty good. I actually put this picture on my thing long before I realized that the, the lamb had a fifth leg. Um, when I realized that this morning, I knew it had to be in there. I, I didn't know it when I put the picture on my PowerPoint. You remember those verses that say a lamb without blemish, right? When God said he wanted you to, the, the sacrifice to be a lamb without blemish, it was the best lamb you had. It was the best one you had in your flock. It wasn't a five-legged lamb. It was the best. And you devoted that to God. And so I have to ask you this morning, are you devoting your best to God? And I'm not talking about money. I think money is actually a cop-out in the church we live in today. Money's easy, right? Open my pocket, my wallet, I throw some money, I'm done. I'm talking about your talents, the gifts that God has given you, the abilities that you have. Do you know? This is awesome. There are people giving of their first fruits by keeping this church clean while Sue heals. Do you know that? People, more people called to clean the church than we had opportunity to clean. And I'll tell you what, taking out the garbage ain't the best thing to do in the world, right? It's not the most fun thing to do. That's awesome to me. I'm, I'm talking about those gifts, those talents, those abilities that God has given us. Time, I think time may be a huge one, right? I'd rather give, 10, I, I'd rather give my 10 bucks than my time. And yet, I heard a story this week about the Valentine's uh, boxes. And there were, I think, 14 shut-ins that were, uh, had boxes. And, and Phyllis made mention of it. This was a different person uh, who went and couldn't get out. The lady that they went to see was so excited to get that box and to get a visit and to see what was in there. So excited that I heard there's pictures, and I'm hoping to get one of those. And it spawned this idea that maybe we should get pictures of all of our shut-ins and have an opportunity to, get, to be reminded of those people and maybe share a little of our time, those first fruits in our life. There's a story in, uh, in 1 Samuel of a, a woman named Hannah. And Hannah cannot conceive a child. And she prays. And she prays. And she tells God, if you give me a child, I'll give that child back to you. First fruits. And so she raises, she has a child, and, it says, and God answers her prayer and says, in time. She has a child, she raises that child, and she takes that child and gives that child, Samuel, to God. Are you giving your best for God? Or are you letting the other stuff get in the way? The second thing in this passage that just sticks out is the curse at the end. Because Joshua says, Cursed is the man, cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city. It will cost him his firstborn son and his youngest son. Do you know that historically this, it really did happen? A guy by the name of Hile, uh, under the leadership of King Ahab, 500 years later, decided he was going to build, 
rebuild Jericho. And it cost him his sons. Pretty big curse if you ask me. It reminds me that I need to be careful about what I'm building in my kingdom. Right? God knocks down those walls that are within my kingdom for a reason. He knocks them down to remind me that I'm not in charge. And neither are you. Right? We are not in charge. He knocks down these walls in Jericho because these walls stood for idolatry. They stood for the gods that were not God himself. Everything not God was inside that Jericho. That was what was inside. Everything that was against God. And I look at myself and I see the moments in my life where God has just smashed the walls in my own life. And I can go one of two ways. Right? I can fight against it and try like heck to build those walls back up by myself. Or I can let God build those walls for me. But I have to make a decision. And you too have to make that decision. See, I got to tell you this story about an uncle, it's not, it's not Uncle Rick, just so you know. I told him before service, I said I'm going to tell him that's not used because I don't want... I have an uncle who is a deer-killing machine. It's genetic. I think I got the gene, but whatever. That's a little bit of pride going on, right? <laughs> and so for the last three or four years, my uncle is, I think he's about 71 or 2 right now. Anyway. 71 or 72, still climbs a tree, still hunts with a bow, still like gets up every day to go hunting, hunts in two states. He's a crazy fool. Anyway, a couple years ago, I was sitting there talking to him, and I appreciate his, his he's, he's just a funny guy. And I said, so what does it take to be a legend? <laughs> this spawned this joke in my family that we have now been calling, we changed his name to The Legend. <laughs> so if you go to my family function, you'll find out who The Legend is. You just say it, and he'll, he perks right up. So much so that I had to buy a, a t-shirt. I bought him a t-shirt and a coffee mug because I didn't want him to forget that he was The Legend. Right? And I said, so what does it take to be a legend? He says, you know, how many deer did you kill, he says. I said, ah, I think I got six that year or whatever. He said, you got to get seven. Seven will make you a legend, he says. <laughs> That's right. I'm always one short. Exactly. The legend. But isn't that who we are? We always are pretty. He takes it in stride, but we take it as, oh, I'm good enough to be the legend. So let's talk about what our kingdom looks like. And just so you know, I'm not talking about your kingdom. I'm talking about my kingdom. If it relates to you, great. But my kingdom has a stone called pride. And I like to set that one there. 
right? I'm proud of my accomplishments. Good for me. And mine has ego. I have a nice block for ego. I put it there. And how about power? I like to put power up there too. And maybe a block for all the other stuff that, that takes over my life. What blocks are in your wall of your kingdom? See, I think a lot of times that we don't even notice that we're doing it. We, we do it in the name of, um, of just going through life. We do it in the name of going through life when we decide that we're going to put other things ahead of God. When we're going to worry more about supplying the finances to our house, to our families, than we are about serving God. When we worry more about the time we're going to spend with overtime or whatever you pick, right? And it gets bigger than God. When we're worried about how others will see us and we aren't honest about who we are. And we all do it. I do the same thing, right? I always tell myself, if you, if you knew who I really was, you wouldn't like me. And aren't we all in that same spot? If you really knew who I was, you wouldn't like me. And so I try to build this nice, pretty wall around me to keep me safe from what you guys really would think. And I'm not the only one. I know we all have those walls. Each of us have those walls in our life. And God said, listen, I want you to tear down those walls and leave them down. I will take care of you. It reminds me, church, that we need to be transparent. We need to find those people in our life that we can trust. Obviously, you have to be careful because sometimes people are not trustworthy. And they do take that stuff and they hurt us. But there are people in our midst who are trustworthy who want to know about our lives so that they can pray for us, that they can challenge us, and they can encourage us. And I don't want you to forget that. There's a, this is not a social club, right? This is a hospital where wounded people come and shouldn't be wounded more. They should be healed or in the process of healing. I encourage you to be transparent with someone you trust, to find someone who you can trust to be transparent with and share your struggles. And guys, I know how it goes. That's the last thing we want. All men, there's a song, um, Men Are Not an Island. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but I always think all men are an island, right? <laughs> we want to do it on our own. I don't want to tell you about my, my problems because if I tell you about my problems... You will think less of me. This is how we should build God's kingdom. See, first, he used a lot of kingdom language in Scripture in the New Testament. Building God's kingdom, not our kingdom. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There's a warning about building your own kingdom, about building your own walls. There's a warning here. Joshua tells them, cursed is the person who tries to rebuild this city. 
It will cost them their children, their first son and their last son. I wonder what it costs us when we choose not to seek God first. But I want to tell you the most important part of this passage. It's the mercy in this passage. See, we live in a world that says, how could a God who loves people go through and take out a whole city of people? I'm, we're, we're, this was a bloodbath. This, I mean, there's nothing... It's amazing how it gets written in Joshua. It says... And everything in Jericho was devoted to God. Parentheses, everything that was a breathing and alive in Jericho, short of Rahab and her family, was killed. We're talking children, adults, animals, it says donkeys, animals, anything alive was taken out. And we live in a world that says, how can a God, there can't even be a God there can't even be a God who would do that to people. How is that? How can that even be? And yet there's this real fine thread that runs through this passage. A real fine thread called Rahab and her family. And, and Joshua is very uh, distinct about saying, listen, you two spies, the two who came in first, who know who Rahab's and Rahab's family is, go get them. Go get them so they're protected in the midst of this. I, that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to go find Rahab, find her family members, and get them out of here before, before, before they are hurt. And you might say, well, why would God let one family be spared and every other family? Wouldn't there be some other people in this city who turned to God? I say, no way. No way. I believe God's mercy was that anyone who would have turned and repented would have been right with Rahab. But there wasn't another soul in that city. There wasn't another soul in that city who thought God was the God of their life. No one except Rahab and her family. There's a passage in Psalm 14 that says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You may remember this story about Noah. Do you, you ever hear that story? Nice big boat. Genesis uh, chapter 6 says, The Lord saw that great, how great man's wickedness was on this earth, and, he be, and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were evil at that time. The Lord was grieved, and his heart was full of pain. And he said, I will wipe out mankind, all the animals, the creatures, everything in the ground of the air. I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so God made a way of mercy for Noah and his family. And we know that story because we love to tell our kids that story because it's a really cool story. Big boat, lots of animals. But the story's about mercy. It's about God's mercy to humankind. 
Genesis chapter 9, this is at the end of that story. It says, I set a rainbow in the clouds to be a sign of a covenant between me and earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in clouds. I will remember my covenant between you and all my living creatures, and never again will waters flood and destroy all the earth. The rainbow was a sign to remind us of God's mercy. He reminds us of that mercy. I need to remind you of this. That choosing now or choosing later will not change the decision. Scripture tells us that there will be a moment in time where every one of us will bow before our Christ, our God, and we will confess. Every one of us. We're not going to get out. We're not going to just magically get away from that part of it. Scripture reminds us of that. There's a, uh, a passage in Luke 18 it talks about the tax collector. And I don't know about you, but it's tax season, so none of us likes the tax collector, right? I know a couple. One of them's not here today. <laughs> I'd pick on him. I'd poke at him, but he's not here. He's probably working. <laughs> it's that time of the year. <laughs> oh, oh, he is here. I won't tell you who he is. Sorry. <laughs> If you know, you know. <laughs> the, but the tax collector in Luke talks about uh, realizing who he was. And he said in Luke 18, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, it's, it's just this simple. And I think sometimes in church we make it more complicated than it should be. We make it more complicated, not on purpose, but we do. We, we begin to quickly add things to salvation. When really it's recognizing we got a problem. There's something wrong. We've done it wrong and we need to say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness. See, we're really good at it as parents for the most part, right? When our kids ask for forgiveness, we're pretty good at it. And I'd be willing to bet that our God is just as good at it. I'm saying he's better. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to bring it to the altar, to take it to him and say, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong. I realize that I cannot do what it takes to get to heaven. And I realize that there's this man, Jesus, who lived the perfect life, who died, was raised again, and took that sin upon him. It's just that easy. Let's pray. Well, God, we look at how Joshua and the Israelites have gone and found victory, and yet, Lord, we are reminded of the warnings of the way that we quickly take those things that are given to you, those things that are devoted, and we quickly take them back.
And we remind, Lord, that are reminded that we want to build that city around us. We want to build those walls up. We don't want to let anybody in. We want to make our kingdom nice and sturdy and strong. And Lord, for some today, they haven't even experienced your mercy. Your scripture says, Come to me, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. So this moment, Lord, I pray this morning for anyone here who is feeling the burden of this life. That their life, Lord, is, is so overwhelmed by grief or shame or guilt frustration, anger, whatever it may be. I pray that they would bring that to the altar and give it to you. Lord, you have promised mercy if we will ask. In your name we pray. Amen.